You are listening to Spacetime Mind, a podcast by two philosophy professors, Richard Brown and Pete Mandick, who talk about philosophy, science, and all sorts of other stuff. Please be advised that this podcast contains strong language and abstract ideas not suitable for all intelligent life forms. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, where are these goddamn animals? Space. 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 Somehow, somehow, do a Jedi mind meld. So this this is Pete Mandick from William Patterson University, and I'm in Arlington, Texas, with Ken Williford, the chair of the philosophy department at the University of Texas Arlington. Ken. <laughs> Are, we, are, are we, you now, or have you ever been a transhumanist? <laughs> not, no, not really. Not because I don't want to be. <laughs> You're trying to be a transhumanist? It's just that I kind of can't get too worked up about much. <laughs> like, what does it really, you know, like, do you mean like... But the singularity is near and all that kind of stuff, or, and we're gonna, and the singularity is gonna help us, you know, upload ourselves to. Well, you don't have to be a singularitarian to be a transhumanist. So, how do you define transhumanism? Um, it is that it's time. Like, is it's it, like a valuing of improving the the human form oh, using oh. using technology to yeah, improve. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. And it might be it might be biological improvements, yeah. Um, and then posthumanism, it has to do with like abandoning the human form. We yeah. say like, oh fuck it, like I'm gonna I'm gonna improve myself, and if I end up like being, you know, like a cephalopod when I'm done with all this, so be it. So be it. Yeah, yeah I'm totally down with all of that. All right. So trans. Yeah, I mean, define that way. I kind of had the uh, the thought that it. Just because I, I haven't like read a lot, of, you know, I haven't like read a lot of this literature, yeah. or talked to too many people who were in sympathy with it. To tell you the truth, uh, I, I kind of didn't have any. Um, I kind of associated it a lot with Ray Kurzweil and, and uh, he gets a lot of press, singularity and all that. But if you put it that way, then um, yeah, I'm totally for like people. You know how. Uh, Sometimes you ask people, like, you know, if you could take a pill and it turned you into a mathematician, yeah, would you take it? Yeah, it's always seemed to be like a total no-brainer. Of course, you want to do some math, whatever, you know, like <laughs> math or whatever. Is there a pill that'll, that'll turn you into a genius? Well, yeah. yeah, you take it. I mean, are you out of your? Of course, you take it. It's a yeah. no freaking brain. And I'm surprised that sometimes you hear people. So, you know, no, like there's intrinsic value in the hard work and struggle of like studying 
But you know, a lot of a lot of this stuff gets kind of gets potentially creepy because you know, what what if you could take a pill where you didn't ever feel remorse? Well, I guess it sort of depends on. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? So, like a lot of a lot of what we currently think of as evil or just like abnormal to the point of, uh, I don't know, like so, sociopaths. That's those are deviations in emotional hardware. Yeah. And if you're if you're gonna hack if you're gonna start hacking yourself, one of the things that you could hack is that emotional hardware. True. And you might, it's like the it's like uh, isn't there a, a, a it's a Led Zeppelin song I think <laughs> says uh, when your conscience hits you knock it back with pills. Mm. <laughs> oh man, yeah right. Alimony, alimony, paying your bills. Right. Right. Living, loving, so, uh, made, right? I always wondered, like, what... Yeah, okay, yeah. So, that's the same idea. Like, you could just... I mean, that's a more primitive technology. Yeah. So I've always thought there's nothing wrong. So you totally transhumanist. I've always thought there's nothing wrong with um, altering your conscience by take, <laughs> taking a handful of pills. So... I'm kidding about that. And then taking inappropriate pictures of yourself and putting it on social media. And then taking a pill that makes you forget that you did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but those are sort of like moral I mean, so all you know, technologies always open up different ways in which in which you can be a be a jerk. Yeah. Uh, I mean so or like, at least you know, you would seem like you were a jerk to most people. So. And like, you know, so as these transhumanisms and posthumanisms arise, you get you get these like reactionary forms of humanism. People people like yeah. reformulating okay. humanism yeah. in opposition to that. Right. So there's this normative force. Yeah. They want they want to, they think there's a intrinsic value in like this kind of Embodiment. This or, this particular body that has been, you know, yeah. Like why? I mean, if if you kind of look at, I mean, for one thing, you can kind of on a daily basis remind yourself of like how crappy the thing is. So there's just like the sheer crappiness of the thing. Yeah, like a full length mirror will, will do that. <laughs> will do that. And then the uh, the fact that we have to, um, or just take like you know, you want to read something, but you keep like nodding off. Right. I mean, that's... Or you uh, would like to eat something that you used to enjoy, but now when you eat it, you feel like crap. Yeah. Like donuts. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> I used to love glazed donuts, yeah. but like if I eat one bite of a glazed donut now, yeah. I'm like screwed for Yeah, the day. You, just, you just feel <laughs> your blood come to a halt. <laughs> Yeah, you can hear the Crisco moving around in your vessels. <laughs> so they're like daily reminders of uh, decay, and and then we have to take of you know we have to take action against yeah. the onslaught of like decay. Like we have to you know exercise and watch what we eat and you know, meditate and do yoga, and stress relief of various kinds to just to continue doing what. We used to be able to do without much difficulty, 
and then we, you know, so there are a lot, and then we have to sleep. It's like there are all kinds of reasons why, just from a sort of just looking at your body from a kind of a engineering standpoint or a functionality standpoint, you can see that it's it's it is exactly the kind of thing that like natural selection would make. Yeah. Because they look kind of like it's this just this particular mixture of. Um, what looks like intelligent design superficially, yeah, and then like a bunch of like crap that, yeah, just like ridiculous the, things. You have to think, oh, either the designer is joking or he's sadistic or he's, you know, you have to attribute like all kinds of weird intentions to the design, or of course, unfathomable, yeah. mysterious intentions that would explain why the 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 uh, urethra like, goes through the prostate. Or right, something. right, right. I was going to bring up testicles. I think like, testicles are ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's like the, from just coming from an aesthetic point of view. That, that, that's kind of like having your lungs hanging on the outside. That's a yeah. pretty important organ. That's pretty important. But yeah, you're going to have that on the outside of the uh, the pelvic girdle. It's all these great bones yeah. you could be hiding that behind. Yeah, a lot of ways you could put, put your lungs back. A lot of things you could imagine. I mean, so anyway, that's a kind of an old. Issue. But, but but there's that, and then there's uh, everybody does engage in, uh, or, or there are certain kinds of improvements that nobody thinks twice about, like yeah. getting contact lenses or. But, uh, one thing I wonder, I don't know how seriously I take this, but I wonder about it, uh, and that is, could there be like too much freedom? Remember the kind of back in the day of existentialism. When people started thinking good about radical freedoms, they they freaked out. They're like, "Oh, well, if if we could do anything, then we don't know what to do." And so, like, if you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, if you if you can re completely redesign your body from the ground up, like, what do you got, like? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna be a dodecahedron? <laughs> I would. Yeah. You be would, a cylinder. I would want to be a sheet of eyes. <laughs> Have you met my friend Ken? <laughs> oh, you mean that sheet of eyes over there? I was wondering. Kind of like a, like, you know, about, I don't know, like maybe an inch thick flesh. Very uh -huh. flexible with kind of little, uh, kind of uh, diamond shaped. Yeah, like Alex Gray, like, like the, the kind of, yeah. Tessellation. Yeah, yeah. With the, like on the Tool, Tool albums and so on. Like so if, so in his master's voice, if we had decoded the entirety of the message, one of the, so one of the things they got was frog eggs. Yeah. And one of the things they got was Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies, yeah. But they if they also got like sheet of eyes, and uh, you know like the, uh, the 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 centrifuge of doom, and uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, they got these other components. Then they would have had the um, the spaceship into the the mind of God or whatever. <laughs> but all they got was frog eggs. Yeah, they couldn't quite... And a slab of space beef. Kind of, they couldn't figure out how to decode right, the, right. the rest But of it was like a miracle machine, and they only got a few parts. Yeah. So you're like one of the missing pieces in the miracle machine. The, the sheet of eyes? The sheet of eyes, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I kind of thought of that, of his master's voice as a... Like, this is written before Carl, Carl Sagan's book, Contact. Yeah. And it's really, actually, at a, a certain level... 
like if you read it after you read Contact or saw the movie Contact, yeah, you could realize that he's implicitly making fun of that whole kind of. Wait, Lem is making fun of. Well, he's he's. You could read it that way. Yeah. Like, if you read the one after the other, you kind of read the lens. Like, oh, yeah, this idea that, oh, yeah, no problem. We'll get this signal. We'll be able to decode it and yeah. uh, turn it into a spaceship yeah. that takes us to Jodie Foster's dad. Or right. The guy, you know. Yeah, there's this uh, fantasy of intelligibility or fantasy yeah. of transparency. So, like, Lem is saying, eh, you know, it's much more likely that we wouldn't be able to figure out what the thing meant. And it's almost Lovecraftian, right? There's, so you encounter this alien intelligence, and it's really fucking alien. And it just seems it comes across like nonsense, but there's something you know like it's it's hard to make nonsense. You take for example someone like Lynch, David Lynch. Mm. He makes nonsense that's beautiful, and it's got a like a dream logic to it. But yeah. if you think you're like lost you're, highway, for example. Yeah, but your your average like art student, they try to make nonsense. They just slap shit together, and it's garbage. <laughs> Non- nonsense is not just like random. There's there's like a weird logic to yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's almost like related to this, um, like the products of natural selection. Like they have this kind of structure to them, and you know what was mis- can be mistaken for design. Yeah. But then there's the there's the weird. There's the stuff that like couldn't have come about by design. Right. It makes more sense if you don't think it came about yeah. by, de- by design. If you've given up attributing like ridiculous intentions to the designer. Yeah. Uh, okay. And if you were to glimpse just a fragment of an alien technology or an alien mm. uh, culture, it, it would just, it would hit you. It would hit you as simultaneously being incomprehensible, but also it would have some kind of like yeah. sign of comprehensibility yeah. to There's it. There's a nice... Uh, Lem uh, novel called Fiasco. I've heard of it. So I've they, never read it. You know, we tr- we find uh, what we think is a, a, a planet that has a civilization on it. So we send a spaceship there with yeah. people to investigate, and the spaceship is attacked by these kind of creatures that are trying to like, eat the metal from the, the spaceship and then some other creatures come in and attack them and everybody in- starts to interpret interpret this as if there are two civilizations on this planet fighting a war with each other yeah and through a bunch of like ridiculous uh, events they they eventually like destroy the whole planet and it turns out that like right before before they annihilate this planet yeah um the guy that they sent down there like figures out that oh wait a minute this isn't civilizations fighting at all this is just like the kind of life that has evolved here and it's really like you know ants attacking wasps wasps and shit like it's more like yeah. that than like um, yeah it's blind so it, it it's uh, established I mean uh, observing the products of evolution on another planet might yeah. we might mistake it radically for yeah like something with real intentions. I mean, yeah. developed intentions like uh, intelligent beings and create a civilization. So that's a kind of another yeah another twist on Lem's kind of overall. But then that might be us. Lem like we like we think we have intentions and that we act on those intentions, yeah. but 
you know, there's like this this body of research that indicates that that's just some like ad hoc bullshit that we we generate after you know after the fact. Oh, we sure you know, do that in a lot. You of know cases. all the. Yeah. There's all this like anti-rationality literature about confabulation. But but I always thought, yeah, right. Illusion of will. I don't know. It would be kind of too simplistic to... Because we we do adopt long-term goals that require sort of daily dedication and carrying out, like to get a PhD or something. That's pretty rare, though. Yeah, but even people who, let's say, like, want to have a family and they make plans about, like, how to... Be a parent for many years. You might say that's pretty. But aren't people <laughs> mostly buffeted about? You know, like no one pulls themselves up by the bootstraps. Yeah, that's impossible. I think. They, you know, they have kids at a particular time because everyone else in their cohort is having kids at that time. Right, but I just mean that you still have to like say, all right, I, this is what I'm going to have to do for such such a. You still have to kind of have some plan about what's going to happen and make some long-term intentions. Do you? You don't have to, but I'm saying it's a datum that we do. Some people do. I think it's a datum. I mean, I could, of course, right, it could be a huge illusion and yeah. I like suffered through years of grad school to get a PhD for and that was like that was just a total Well, I mean, I think I I didn't make any decisions to do it. It was just like a a robotic. Someone like deciding that they're going to do a thing, and then they work on it for eight years until they achieve it. That hardly ever fucking happens. (laughs) Most people like you know their horizon is only a few months away, and they're kind of buffeted about by local forces, and they go with the flow of the crowd, and wonder like what should they do, like. They do wonder that, and then and then they go into find, PR because like they, something that they can because yeah. the other girls in their dorm did that too, <laughs> and they heard that's a good thing to do. I'm a communications major. Why? Because, um, well, they're they're told by everybody that there are jobs waiting at the other end of the whatever. Yeah, and then, and I'm sure they. Anyway, they're well aware of like what majors are more demanding. Yep. Or not. Yep. So, but they're buffeted but, like, by they're local often forces. Told, like, you know, the business major, for example, is a good idea because you know we're always going to need more business. Yeah. Business. Yeah. Business. And they don't business. know, like they don't have a, you know. I guess you're right that most people don't sort of have like a well thought. I'm not. I wasn't ever meaning to imply that people. Aren't just buffeted about by social forces and things like that, and their peer pressures and all that stuff. I was just saying that I wouldn't want to think that in all cases uh, having long term, like yeah. long term. No, I think there's some people that can establish. Just I mean, I think enlightenment is possible, and it is possible to <laughs> achieve clarity and to see, like, to penetrate. The veil of the, illusion. Yeah, I think that's possible. But most of us are our own Lovecraftian nightmare. Like, we're opaque to ourselves. Well, that's, that's for sure. We are the forces beyond the walls of time that are utterly incomprehensible. That's, that is for sure. And nonetheless control everything. Yeah. We, are the, we are the space monsters. Yeah, I, that's why I, I like to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't 
well, that's why it's interesting to at least dabble in uh, neuroanatomy. And I mean, not more than, well, more than dabble, but like kind of try to get some kind of handle on like how the different parts of the brain functionally interrelate. Like to get it, make this more vivid to you. It takes yeah. it, because it's, because like the basal ganglia, and the, that's totally like alien. Yep. The brain is like such an alien beast. Yeah, it's it's the thing you are closest to. Well, it's in you, your, it's, you are just a part of. It's literally in your face. Just, you are just a subprocess of it. <laughs> you are a sub you in the sense of the you that you're consciously aware of and so on. Do you ever it's do you ever meditate on like on like being a brain? Have you ever had like no? A, like, I, I I tend to just kind of blank out when I meditate. We, uh... <laughs> so I'm on this beach. It's like late I at night. I have no idea what you might... I'm on this beach. <laughs> and, uh... I'm, you know, I'm with these neurophilosophers. I've been spending days with neurophilosophers. And I start thinking about, like, how I'm just a brain. Yeah. And I had this, like, massively, like... Um claustrophobic experience of like I was able you know how people talk about transparency like Michael Ty and those guys tell about like you see no, through their, their sense of transparency yeah so I had the complete inversion of that opacity pure opacity <laughs> so I was so the sound the sights and sounds of the crashing waves on the beach suddenly it suddenly was just ner- nervous it was neural stimulations it was oh, just cool. activity and I and I was acutely like I, I had it. I was able to take the that, uh, like that neuro so, reductionism seriously so on an exper- experiential level. That's a little bit like um, what you remember what Cherson would, would write about introspection, yeah, like, the, and, and revamping your introspection through your knowledge of neuroscience, so that your introspection. That's right. Becomes I've written the, uh, papers about yeah, that. No, yeah. yeah. So, so it was exactly so that. You you, uh, you had a more direct. Because that's part of what the Churchill stuff is about. You're not, it's not an intellectual thing. You train yourself so that it's yeah, automatic. so you start to see it that way. Yeah. yeah. You cognitively penetrate your experiences and perceive them as neural events. And so I had that experience, yeah. and it was kind of, like, terrifying. Like, it really yeah. felt, like, trapped. Like, oh man, I'm just, I'm just a brain? Yeah, well. Fuck. I'm just a brain. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my question was: Have you ever had that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever experienced your, yourself as just a brain? Only, uh, not not really in a vivid sort of way, but um, occasionally, I'll you know you know you just kind of realize that these like brains you've been looking at, like the structures you've been like trying to. Get a handle on, like you know, the, the creepy cerebellum. I mean, the cerebellum is a like, creepy looking yeah. thing. I mean, the brain is like full of like it's sort of like the cortex. We're we're accustomed enough to the cortex that like it doesn't look so creepy. Right. But you start lo- you're, like, looking at subcortical stuff. Yeah. And it's it's just 
creepy. It, I mean, yeah, the, it's like these the weird ponds and these the, weird sea creatures that have decided <laughs> to fuck each other, and they're obsessed with it. They won't stop fucking each other. Hippocampus. I mean, and they've forgotten that they're even separate sea creatures, and they've tricked themselves into all operating as a single like seething it's, monster. It's creepy as can be. Yeah. I mean, but that's but, you. That's that's what's going. Yeah, you are this like creepy thing. Yeah. The thing that should not be. <laughs> <laughs> you are the thing that should not be. And it doesn't seem that way. To, I mean, you can't really... I mean, I would think, you know, even if you could... Uh, I mean, you know, we, just maybe for contingent reasons, are probably limited in how, how deep we can go with direct, you know, phenomena, like really feeling like... We are a brain. Like this, yeah. this is a limit to. So, Bert, you know Bert, Bernard Bars, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. So he claims that um, any any piece of cortex can uh, be brought under voluntary control. Any piece? Yeah. Oh. A, any region of cortex, like. Well, you 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 take an ice pick. <laughs> you you get a like a map of your. Yeah, he claims that the con- yeah. the connectivity is such that through some kind of biofeedback thing, you can train someone to bring under voluntary control oh. whether there's activation in this arbitrarily oh. selected area. That may be true. So that's like, that would be like good evidence for it. Like uh, I, I think so. And yeah. But anyways, that'd be like the you know the Bene Gesserit, right? Some of the training regimes of the <laughs> the Bene Gesserit training reg- yeah. regimens of the. The, the Bene Gesserit the, would involve like spending a year just like becoming aware of this one particular muscle in your left yeah. pinky. Well, then, there's some uh, Buddhist meditation is like that when you kind of probe your whole body, yeah, paying attention to different parts. But of with your the body. Bene Gesserit, they could actually do some like crazy ninja sex stuff with it. They could prove this, their their gymnastic prowess after they've gone through all the exercises. Like the Buddhists, what are, I mean, can they prove that they've actually like well, there's, acquired any, there's any Tumo abilities? Yoga, which at least has some empirical support for it, that it's a legitimate phenomenon. Are they like really awesome fighters so, or something? Like tumo, tumo Yoga is, it, you supposedly gain control of temperature regulation in okay. your body. And so they can sit out, you know, in the cold Himalayan... And that's demonstrable, right? Like they've done experiments there's, with... There's, yeah, there's some, at least I, so I've heard last yeah. time I looked, and... Uh, this that there's some evidence that it's a, that yeah. it's a legitimate thing that people can and there's this Russian um, uh, marine biologist who studies uh, beluga whales oh, yeah and she swims with them naked oh I think I've heard because of this. It, you know I mean in the frigid Arctic and she doesn't get water hypothermia she doesn't get hypothermia. she claims that it's, it, she claims that um, that's a result of this yogic practice Wow that's it's demonstrable that she swims with beluga whales in the ar- in the frigid you know, waters, yeah. and she's not getting hypothermia. Yeah. So, and, well, but I mean, but then there there, there was some study or something. But I think some people were skeptical of the study. Do you remember the bees I was telling you about? The bees can raise their temperature right, and, and kill a wasp. Kill a wasp. Yeah. So imagine a bunch of these. What are these yogi? Tumo yogins. Yeah. So imagine like. So you get a hundred. So, like, I'm the Colonel Kurtz of neurophilosophy. <laughs> yeah, we, did, we established yeah. that the other day. If, if I could just get a hundred of these men, 
who could raise their body temperature at will and surround the enemy (laughs) and cook his brains, this war would be over. (laughs) So these these are actually any time you learn something, like learn how to play the guitar or whatever. I mean, you are doing this kind of the the kind of laborious neuroengineering that we can do. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah. You can go from a point where you couldn't play Bach on the guitar, and now you can. I thought you were going to say Live and Love and Made. Or, (laughs) you couldn't play War Pigs, and now you can. So that's modifying your brain the old-fashioned way. So I kind of like think, going back to like what we were saying about transhumanism and so on, but... Well, we, we're modifying ourselves, trying to do it all the time. Yeah. Unless we're just giving up. Yeah. And um, why not? I mean, if, that's if what there were reliable tools that could improve you and very, I mean, sort of like who wouldn't do it? Right. Really? Yeah. And I don't, there's no intrinsic. I remember I asked a bunch of math students this one time, like, if you could take a pill that would make you, you know, Field medal winning mathematician, yeah. With just in, in basically instantaneously, would you do it? And like half of them say no, wow. because they derive, they claim, they derive some satisfaction from the the struggle. Yeah. So either they're just kind of sadists and they sort of naturally, or sorry, yeah, not sadists. <laughs> they might be that too. Yeah. But uh, uh, masochists who. Um, think that somehow causing themselves to suffer through something is intrinsically valuable. Or they simply can't really imagine that there could be any other way. Or something. But you asked them to imagine yeah. that. Or so if they kept saying no, you would think, well, I guess yeah. well, you just you just think suffering through, that there's some reward you get from suffering through that you couldn't, yeah. that you would miss out on if you... I, so what if you? What if I gave you a pill that made you feel like you'd suffered through? <laughs> you see this? Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? Pain. Stop. Put your hand in the box. Hold at your neck, a gomja bark. This one kills only animals. Now you're suggesting a duke's son is an animal? Let us say, I suggest you may be human. Your awareness may be powerful enough to control your instincts. Your instinct will be to remove your hand from the box. If you do so, you die. You sometimes don't know where Dirty road is taking me. Sometimes I can't recall the reason why. But I guess I keep on gambling. Lots of booze and lots of rambling. It's easier than just waiting around to die. Well, if 
friends I once had them all And they even had a paw Peter once with a bell because she cried She told him to take care of me She packed bags for Tennessee It's easier than just a waiting around to die Tuscaloosa bar She cleaned me once And hit it on the slide I tried to kill the pain I bought some booze And hopped a train It was easier than just Waiting around to die Well I had a friend Who said he knew Where some easy money was we robbed a man, brother, did we fly? But the posse caught on up with me and they drug me back to Muskogee And it was two long years of waiting around to die well, Now I'm out of prison And I got me a friend at last He don't cheer steal a drink well, his name is Codeine He's the nicest thing I've ever seen And together we're gonna wait around to die Yeah, together we're gonna wait around Uh, is that Van Zant? Yeah. yeah. That's like the first song he ever wrote. <laughs> what do you think of that Nozick experience machine yeah, the experience. stuff? Yeah, I think um, at one level you kind of want to say, well, I mean, who wouldn't get into the experience machine? Sounds but like, like with the, you know, if you, if you think about other people, right? Yeah. Well, what if, and, we, if we could make sure that they all got into their own? But what if we said, we're going to replace your family with a pill that makes you think you have a family? <laughs> By the way, we're going to make them the same offer. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to see. Go but you first. So Answer the question first, <laughs> then we'll ask on you. Like, would I rather have a real family or a pill generated <laughs> <laughs> virtual family? Yeah, yeah well, I, I would rather have a real family. Right. Because somehow I, I just... You value this I thing value that transcends that, that the appearances. Yeah, which is that other there are other minds over there. The numinal, the numinal family. That there is a real subject that they're like that. My kids and my that my wife are actual subjects of experience. So find valuable. Yeah. <laughs> now you might say, well, why? You'd be none. You know, you'd be none the wiser. Right. So. Uh, I don't know, but if you ask, like, what is the justification for that particular value, value evaluation? Well, I don't think there is one. Yeah, I don't think you can't. But you I, can't I derive mean, it from pure reason, and you right. can't derive it from <laughs> observation. You just like there to be other people. Yeah, but so that's part <laughs> of your human heritage. Yeah, maybe we should shed it. <laughs> <laughs> So 
So you are going to reevaluate all values <laughs> and become a dodecahedron. Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to be a sheet of eyes. <laughs> sheet of eyes, yeah. Wait, are the eyes facing both, uh, like on both sides of the sheet? Yeah, why not? And 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 the thing can kind of flutter, uh -huh. like move around, kind of like. <laughs> are you gonna need glasses? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <I> sheet of <laughs> sheet of glasses. Probably gonna need contacts at least. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to wear contacts because yeah, yeah, you need a sheet of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Can you play the song, Sheet of Eyes? Do you know that? No. <laughs> it's an old Johnny Cash song. It's um, a Sheet of Eyes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, what about you? Would you take the uh, pill? The family elimination pill? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. You've got this, but all we figured out is that we both find that valuable. Yeah. Um, probably for for reason, like, you know, some evolutionary reasons and, uh, you know, there's some causal story about why we find that valuable. Uh, if we agree we're not going to get it from pure reason, it's not something that you just get right. from, uh, but we, nonetheless we do. But it's interesting the way we manage to value the noumenal, right? There's certain things mm -hmm. where we want it to be beyond yeah. the ex what's accessible. A self-consciousness finds satisfaction only in another self-consciousness. Thus spoke Hegel. Really? I, yeah, I think he was right about that. And the other self-consciousness is like, in some sense, hidden. Yeah, like it's a. I mean, it's 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 a being you don't. I mean, well, for him, God only knows. But I don't. This about. I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell you about Hegel and inner subjectivity. I mean, yeah. except for the master's lame dialectic stuff. And, but the um, what he would say about whether it's noumenal or not, yeah. because I, th I think he would probably say it's not. There's no noumena for Hegel, right? right? Yeah, yeah. But that's about the extent of my Hegel knowledge. So, well, almost. <laughs> but I do. But I just I that that claim seems intuitive, doesn't it? That we kind of. We wouldn't be happy with a like a relationship with something that we didn't think was, or let's say, I mean, I don't know we we love our dogs and stuff like that. But, yeah. But we wouldn't be happy on like a mar <laughs> a marriage, right? <laughs> and a, like kind of like a, that t level of Purely relationship phenomenal. with a with a dog, or like you can, you Maybe. know, you, you want What's that the question? Same. So this claim that. Um, a self-consciousness only finds satisfaction in another self-consciousness. It doesn't just mean you, you know, it, it has to be like a conscious being that, yes, but it has to be a conscious being with a certain level of sophisticated awareness that you can oh, relate to. It depends on what kind of satisfaction we're talking about. Well, yeah, that was left ambiguous. <laughs> I suppose that's right. But like more, more than just the satisfactions of immediacy. Of, of physical immediacy, or quote unquote. Yeah, but like I have, I have. Because you can have that with a I dog. I have friendship. You know, I get, I, I get friendship from my dog. Yeah. Well, yeah. We got and we, we uh, little buddies. You know. Yeah, we hang out. Like yeah. he would just be sitting on my lap for an hour. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't dissing the dog. I was just saying that. You motherfucker. <laughs> I was just saying that. Uh, 
Your dog is purely phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. The, the kind of... Yeah, I think he means some sort of fulfillment. Like, you're not going to get... You're not going to get off. The dog is not going to be your soulmate. You, well, you might. <laughs> your, your dog is not going to be your soulmate. <laughs> this is why it's, it's like... How about a dolphin? Can a dolphin be your soulmate? Maybe if you could really like communicate with him. You know? If you uh, brought enough fish, I think uh, the, the dolphin would go along with anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know what's interesting in this context is uh, is lucid dreaming. Ah, funny you should mention that. Because, you know, part of what makes the lucid dreams fade is if they get too lucid. Yeah, right. Because when you can control something, that, like, sucks the reality out of it. Yeah, suddenly you kind of know you're... It's more like imagining stuff. It's actually. just like this puppet. Yeah. You know, you can't get too much I'm going to imagine, like, you know... I want everyone to imagine... Yeah. But part of reality is its recalcitrance. Right. That's right. Yeah. It's inertia. So this is back to the too much freedom question. Yeah. Like if you were to able to, able to achieve these, if you were able to like satisfy all of these transhumanist urges, would that be somehow, would that suck the satisfaction out of it because yeah. you had like too much freedom? This depends on if you if you can, how big a possibility how much of the possibility space you can actually explore. Yeah. Because there may if it's big enough then, and you, and your new body or whatever is, is uh, you know, flexible enough and and you it's not costly for you to explore all these possibilities and so on. Then and if there's enough of them, you're, you won't you will never really exhaust the space. Before the heat death of the universe, right? So you'll be, you know, you won't be bored, because on the other, but that would mean that like the possibility space has to be kind of interesting, big, because it could be right. big but still sort of boring. Yeah, it could be just filled with. It could be like the library of static, or like the library of Babel. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, here's another volume that's almost. It's all Z's yeah. except one A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the A is in a different spot this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, most of it is like. Yeah. Speaking totally. of letters of the alphabet, I have to pee. But I'll be right back. Go ahead and. Good news, I brought cricket pills. 
This is the shit that makes you hear crickets. What else does it do? Yeah, that's that's it. I want the shit that makes there be crickets there. <laughs> they start coming out of your mouth. <laughs> someday it's just a program away, you know. Yeah, like someday everyone's gonna be their own uh, 3D printer. You can like be all of that stuff. You're all, <laughs> you just say a prayer to the cloud, and then you you shit out a new Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> really, I'm totally. Uh, I, I'm not like wedded to the human, particular human form, uh, and I kind of can't see how you can be. Like in the old days of uh, of uh, you know, Neoplatonism, and then all the descendant view, like the occult, uh, like even like the early Renaissance, and all. Yeah, this whole idea that the human body is perfect in some weird sort of way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, none of that panned out, really. Like, you know that they used to think that the mind was located in the ventricles? Yeah. And they didn't really know what the ventricles looked like. Like, they would locate memory and yeah. cognition and, and sensation, and they, they thought there were three ventricles. They kind of regarded there as being, regarded it as if there were th just three ventricles. Yeah. And they put memory, cognition, and sensation in these different ventricles, which they thought of as being like spheres. Wait. It's almost like, you know... Uh, this is perfect being inside of your head. Cosmo uh, Ptolemaic, Ptolemaic and wow. Copernican cosmology, even Copernican, yeah. where you had to have perfect circles for orbits. Holy shit. Right? So you kind of think, oh, they're thinking, oh, what's in your head are like these perfectly spherical like h holes yeah. where the animal spirits reside. Yeah. And, and by an animal spirits, it doesn't mean like, it has anything to do with animals. You know, it has to, it's like from anima. Like, Animating spirits. Yeah, like the um, the psychical yeah. stuff. And spirit here really like means like breath originally, like in Greek, pneuma, you know, pneuma. Yeah. But it's not really about, it's just, they had this kind of association between breathing and the mind stuff. I wonder if people still believe on some level in animal spirits. Like that they're animating, like some animating stuff. That's basically what it is. Yeah. Whatever the animating stuff, and it has to interface with your brain right. somehow. You know. So, so it's just marbled throughout you. Yeah, and the, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's got to interface with the... And they, you know, they didn't really distinguish the ventricles from... I mean, there's all you know. They didn't really, they didn't really know what to make of the of the brain. I mean, apart from this kind of general thought that well, if there are cavities in it, it must be because that's where the immaterial. Right. Or, but see, then the, it couldn't just be immaterial. It had to be some kind of stuff. They thought. Yeah. That. Uh, that uh, you know, resides in the ventricles, and if it's, if it wasn't wasn't quite like, you know, Cartesian dualism where the pineal gland is just like the interface. That's like yeah, not quite like that. Anyway, they 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 imagine it to be like these three spherical chambers, mm -hmm. and um, of course it's not at all. But <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and they were kind of freaked out when they discovered that it was filled with liquid. They were expecting fire? Expecting, like, something more subtle. Or maybe nothing that you could detect. 
priori, you know, a priori. So like a thin smear of bacon grease. Like a. Or like a little shot of or, silver spray paint. Or like, yeah, more like that. Oops. There you go. Yeah, Something iridescent or. Right, or, shimmery. Shimmery. That yeah. would have been much more like sea, sea Jesus juice. <laughs> yeah, this is where, this is where the, your soul. This resides. is where the Holy Spirit taught you, right through this tube. <laughs> That's it. And it was just, what, how do we get on this topic? We were talking about transhumanism. Transhumanism. Uh, I'm not sure how we get on the topic of the ventricles, the vent ventricular mm, localization, and whether people are dualists. on the tape. Yeah. But I, I was going somewhere with that ventricular thing. Maybe it'll come back to you. And then, well, so, you know, Leonardo made cat, made wax molds of the ventricles. Oh, yeah? Of, of uh, cows, cow, or uh, ox brains. What is the fuck up, dude? <laughs> like, he, like, found a way to, like, preserve the tissue long, you know, and then have a funnel that puts the wax right into the, and he made a mold with the ventricles, and then you gotta tear off all the external tissue, because he thought that was the shape of the soul, in a way, since that's... Jesus. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. So fucking weird. Can you imagine, like, chimpanzees taking each other apart and trying to figure out, like, what... What the fuck they're really made of, like, and how it all works? This is the clown car. This is the magic banana. This is where poo-poo come from. This is where Hulk lives. <laughs> Danny DeVito up here. This is the Danny DeVito part of your cortex. Monkey porn go here. Monkey porn. I, I think it's true that um, like people have a really hard time thinking of their own minds internally. Even, you know, even if it's really just mediated by theory and yeah. you know theory and something some kind of observation um, it's very hard for them to really think of their own mind in terms of like brain processes it's just yeah. real it's just because consciousness is so empty when it comes to saying anything about like what is what the hardware is or what it is at all like, what category it belongs to it's just kind of empty. Yeah. It just seems to deliver up stuff. And so somewhat aware of its own, you know. Stupidity. Its own stupid. Well, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid it's more like, well, this is all there is. Like this kind of, oh, oh. Uh, what you see is all there is principle. Yeah kind of operates on that so I don't see you know brain stuff or anything so it must not have anything to do with that I don't see anything computational and that see. could just be misfiring <laughs> well, it, well I think like it's how would you know that that's accurate or not that feeling oh it's got I mean I think you could just argue that it's inaccurate based on empirical reasoning like, it's, you know, it's, you can think in the general way why it, it's sort of understandable that it wouldn't 
wouldn't have access to a whole lot about itself. Yeah. But it would to this kind of interface part that helps it deal with shit. Like, the, you know, the kind of user interface yeah. model that Metzinger, Thomas Metzinger likes and what's his name? Tor, Nor, Trent, Nor, Trenters, or Tor, Nor, Trenters. The user illusion. Oh, right. I forgot his name. Tor, Nor, Trenders or something like that. Trenders. Hmm. But that's a, that's a pretty, uh, I like that idea. Me like. Really? Yeah. The user interface. Is there any acquaintance in there? Well, again, like, for me, acquaintance just refers to a certain phenomenon, and it could turn out to be all kinds of stuff. I see. So that's why, that's what we've been going on about. I mean, I want to say that there is a relation. That's all, though. Well, hell, relations are, it's a relation that has a certain kind of structure to it, but it's not like a primitive thing. It doesn't have to deliver up everything about itself. It's just a try. It's just a phenomenon. It could be like what are the relata? What the, in what the, the phenomenon is? That's the same thing. The same same answer. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, probably some kind of brain brain processes and sub processes. But are you committed to it being physical? Yeah. It's gonna be something physical. Yeah. Yes. And it may it may have an adicity that's not apparent. In other words, it may look like it's a it's a dyadic relation, for example, yeah. like in the in the, in the most minimal case. Really, if you think of like integration, like you've got a sensory manifold that has m multiple parts to it, and it's kind of spatially projected. Yeah. You know. Um, well, you might say, oh, well, if we take everything that's really different in it, every kind of dimension on which there's you know distinction and gradation and so then if you take those as relata then it's normally as a huge adicity you know what i mean like and what's adicity like the number of places in the relation like is it a dyadic relation oh, oh, to, oh, or oh, a oh. triadic relation or a you know and adicity can be as big as you like mm. it just means that it's a it's a a vastly complicated, like, or it could vary. Hmm. Like, there, you know, possible spots could be empty sometimes. So on. So, if you relations look at, without relata. Well, I just mean like, it. You could put something in that third slot, but in this case, it's not there. So. So in that case, it looks like a dyadic relation. Okay. In other words, like there might, if you again, like think of like the whole manifold you're aware of in every dimension, modality, and so on. It's like a whole manifold. It has all this different, different, different parts that are integrated into this whole. Yeah. And if you think of the relation as acquaintance with all of the, if you think of those as the relata, that's. That means that an acquaintance relation can have like an enormous adicity. Okay. Okay. But it doesn't. It but it doesn't always have to have that. Like it could be blank spot. Like, it, you know, at one point I was so drunk that I was only aware of the palm of the refrigerator, and so that looks like <laughs> a dyadic relation. Yeah. 
I get what you're, I think I get what you're saying though. But it's not. But it doesn't mean that that's as complicated as it can get. Right. Right. So then you can say, oh, yeah, I can get really, really freaking kind. And what is the limit? Well, that's probably like depends on the structure of your your brain and the instantiating materials and so on. It, yeah. It's a contingent limit to like how much how differentiated a qualitative manifold you can be related to. Hmm. But, but it's just a contingent limit. All right. Golem could like be <laughs> have a much richer qualitative manifold. Anyway, so then if you, then you say, well, okay, okay, that's just about the qualities. What about the um, the like the subject relatum? What's the sub the eye that sees these things? Yeah, I was more wondering about the yeah. the former, like what the things the that you're aware of. Oh, well, I think you just what you have to what you can say anyway is that they're just complicated structural properties of various kinds instantiated and you know they're part of your they're they're momentary configurations of your basic uh, hardware hmm. that inst that run the pro it's the hardware running a certain program if you look at that way yeah and it appears to you to be qualitative because it's not further resolvable yet you have enough uh, information about to differentiate it from other stuff. Okay. But it's not so like green looks like you're, you know, you can't be further resolved. And sometimes we, we, you know, phenomenal green. Yeah. Or whatever your favorite red quality. Yeah. It, it, lo it appears like it doesn't have any further structure just because you can't resolve it further with your basic system. Yeah. But it could have all kinds and probably does if, you know, and there's no reason to accept, uh, to, believe that all of its structure should be manifest to you. Absolutely no reason to believe that. Okay. Right? So. And you know who said something like this? Leibniz, of all people. What? Actually, it, kind of, because what he, what he wanted to say was that for God, everything is, there, there aren't any qualia for God because everything is absolutely, it, all of its structure is totally transparent. Hmm. There are qualities for us. So for God, everything is like thought, like the way he's aware of everything. Okay. Like thought, like pure thought without qualia. Okay. For us, we're aware of some things, things that, that we can analyze appear transparent. Yeah. In the sense that things are, you know, they don't have this phenomenon, this phenomenology. But sensation, those are actually confused thoughts. This is in Descartes too, right? This is in, well, that. Sort of, but but enlightenment he gets yoked up to the idea of finite versus infinite analytic capacities. Okay. God has infinite analytic capacities. Fucking a. But but we don't. So things that are actually thoughts or have the same status really ontologically. They're just you know they they don't look like thoughts. They yeah. look like sensory qualities, but really they actually are analyzable. It's just your system yoked to it. Yeah can't analyze it further but I, I like this but if you were god way. you could and you wouldn't have sensory quality <laughs> you would just have a cognitive phenomenology if 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 you don't think of that as a sensory i like get just it transferring the sensory but could god it. give himself quality if he wanted to that's where we step in <laughs> that's where we so like his quality a weakness <laughs> no. 
Yes, qu- it's, so it's, it's a confused idea. By necessity, God couldn't have Qualia, which I guess makes the incarnation kind of a problem. But, mm. but in any case, uh, the the idea is sort of similar. Like the the reason the sensory qualities seem kind of ir- you know determinate and non people want to say non conceptual at some right. level and so on. it's just because they they don't admit a further uh, like processing right. by the basic uh, system. Well, I like this. I mean, I think so. Yeah, because something like this got to be what's going on. So they, so they do seem. I mean, they, or let's put it this way: they don't seem complex or relational. They right. S- and and we we kind of translate that into seeming monadic and primitive. Yeah. No, I like this. And but you can't because you have to because you deny the full revelation thesis about them. Right. You, there's no reason to accept the revelation thesis. Right. Contrary to Philip Goff, who you know, tries to argue, yeah. no, you have to. No, you don't. And in in fact, there are good reasons not to. <laughs> like all kinds of considerations would lead you to think, yeah, you shouldn't expect your consciousness to have complete access to all of its properties, or, yeah. or all of its, including just if you just restrict it to its essential properties. Right. Nor, nor to all the properties of its properties. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so it doesn't really have access even to really what cate- categorical what status it has. Like, is it a process? Is it a substance? Is it a? We don't have access to that. Stupid brain. And we don't have access to the properties of the pro. So, if you conceive so this way, you can conceive of right phenomenal qualities to be co- sort of like mental paint. Yeah. But not intrinsic, not primitive. I mean, they're, they're just relational structures. So you can kind of get the, wow. the good part of sense datum theory or Husserl's hyletic data theory as a theory like this, or the mental paint stuff. You can get what's right about it without giving up, you know, hardcore computational functionalism. Wow. That's the vision. Holy fuck. <laughs> That is my religion. <laughs> well, I might want to join your religion. I, I talk about this in this paper on Husserl. See, I, I put these things in places that like most people, like, unless they're interested in you know, phenomenology. You know? Right. It's just like, that's just, I plan to write these things up into more like, for more an- analytically minded audiences. But it just so happened that I've had to like, write these things on, Husserl and yeah. Sartre and stuff. So. But I think they, if you read those guys, they are actually are sensitive to all these problems. They really are. Wow. It's just that most of the people who've been attracted, I don't want to say that about Husserl so much, maybe more about Sartre. A lot of the people who've been attracted to Sartre's studies yeah. are attracted for totally different reasons. So their their agendas not, hasn't been like, what really are the nuts and bolts of this theory of consciousness that this guy's... Huh offering and what's intuitive about it and what's like t- totally fails about it so he he's one of the he's committed to the complete um you know the re- a revelation thesis or completeness thesis he's totally committed to that so he thinks any any property of consciousness so hear me out on this. So any property that consciousness has yeah if you want to put it that way is um is something you have access to. 
phenomenologically. This is totally. Okay. There's no reason to think this, right? But this is what, what people intuitively think. Right? Wait a minute. So every every essential, yeah, every essential property you can put it that way. Yeah. Is uh, but he he adopts a kind of thoroughgoing intentionalism. So when you about sensation, about you know sensory content, perceptual content, and so on. So and actually about imaginative content and cognitive content and everything. The only thing and this is something that puzzles some people about. He thinks that consciousness is acquainted with itself, but mm-hmm. but. Um, he's an intentionalist about everything. Not that so the, this self-acquaintance isn't intentionality, but um, everything else is. So you, there aren't any such things as qualia for Sartre. There aren't any. So he rejects Husserl's hyletic data, which are kind okay. of end up being like qualia. He rejects that, and um, and he's a thoroughgoing, like. Completeness is so consciousness totally transparent to it. I mean, complete has complete access to itself. Wow. So then, what you get with that is, oh, I, consciousness must like be nothing, <laughs> because all of the in, properties of it are sort of outside of it. It's sort of nothing other than this intentional yeah. aiming at stuff right. in various ways, and this kind of self manifestation, which isn't intentional, but. We don't really know further what it is. Right. That's it ends up being the so. So then that means he's going to reject that it's enmeshed in the causal world. You know, in the call that it really stands in causal relations because he thinks those would be available. So consciousness isn't really in the causal order. Yeesh. And it's not really even though he like took mescaline. <laughs> so you would think what what would prove to you. You know, what's, oh, what's, yeah. what's the best um, evidence that consciousness is enmeshed in the causal order? Well, you can move your body around voluntarily, and when you take drugs, <laughs> when you take drugs, like Holy weird God. crap happens in consciousness. Right. right. So you'd think he would like be aware. He was at some level like aware of that. Oh, that's for you. I don't think I can drink that. It's, um, yeah, it's for you and me. It's the special, it's really special good. spice. I love this. Yes, song. it's the melange, right? Mm-hmm. No, I was aware that the, the spice was only found on Dune, but I was just saying that in the, um, you know, everybody's taken it. <laughs> it's exported all over the place. You know what impressed me about the Dune? One of many things that impressed me about the Dune. And tell me if you had this effect. Reading all this first-person stuff from Paul Atreides after he has acquired this uh, this limited mm-hmm. clairvoyance, mm-hmm. that made me start to like feel like I had a limited clairvoyance. Really? Because everything that like my mind is always predicting things, just like nat- like natural, nothing ESP. Just like, oh, I bet, I bet it's gonna rain in a little bit. Mm. But sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. But it's always making these predictions. But I started feeling those predictions as if they were the truth of the future. And I was perceiving the future. Huh. Yeah. Uh, what Dune you... ruined my mind for like a couple weeks. That's wild. I was living in the in the near future with Paul Atreides. <laughs> <laughs> That's the specter you seem to be invoking, Paul.
broken life, my mirror broom, my secret life. There's no one here, there's no one else to torture. Give me absolute control over every living soul. And lie beside me, baby, that's an order. Give me crack and anal sex Take the only tree that's left Stuffing up the hole in your culture Give me back the Berlin Wall Give me Stalin and St. Paul Seen the future, brother, it's Berlin Things are gonna slide Slide in all directions Won't be nothing Nothing you can Measure anymore The blizzard The blizzard of the world Is on the threshold And it's overturned The order of your soul When they said I wonder what they meant when they said, repent, repent. I wonder what they meant. I just heard that tone kind of like some echo of that tone like in the distance. I have, I, I have auditory hallucinations. I think there are some th- sounds out there. I don't know if it's like a distant train or... Mosquitoes in my ears maybe? It could be a combination of mosquitoes and, and drones. On the highway. But I hear like accelerating motorcycles yeah, or something. Yeah, it's the highway. It's not that far away. <laughs> Accelerating motorcycles. <laughs> oh, it's coyotes. That's what it is. Oh, awesome. Isn't that awesome? Holy fuck. Like the hills are That is crazy. That's coyotes. a lot of coyotes. It is a lot of coyotes. Dog, it like makes the dogs bark and bark and bark. It's like a sea of coyotes out there. They, I mean, there's like a there's a serious wildlife documentary to be done out here. Yeah, <laughs> there's like a coyote concert. What do you think would win in a fight, sheet of eyes or sea of coyotes? <laughs> oh, uh, that's that's impossible to say. Because you can't see into the future. <laughs> you can't see into the future. 
Look toward Athens. Yeah, well... Yeah, so I think we came across as hardcore transhuman, like apostles of transhumanism. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, yeah, like it's, it's not what Someone's we... Someone's got to do it. It's not what we spend every waking hour of every day right. thinking about. It's just kind of a hobby. <laughs> unless, the te- you know, unless the technology really gets built, then and, it's going to be a, like and a who choice. And who else would you inflict a transhumanist rant on? Exactly. So, so, so you must have seemed like an apostle of Satan, basically. That's great. We, we seem like the apostles of Satan. We're, we we preach the prophecy of Skynet. We repre- represent the post-apocalyptic world. Like, you know, We're here to help machines kill all humans. You ever heard of um, the the Church of the Subgenius? Oh yeah, and you know, they call humans the Pinks. Yeah, the Pinks. <laughs> the Pinks and the Normals. The I'll also get your slack. <laughs> you know the whole idea of priests and nuns and and like. Um, Monks and clergy and yeah, that's like such an archaic thing. You don't think we should have them still? <laughs> <laughs> I bet like we could do something with them. Put them to good use, like the Benny Gesserit. Like, yeah, exactly. We should turn all. We could could uh, amalgamate all the religions into a kind of a Benny Gesserit thing. Into like federal yoga. <laughs> they like do yoga and meditation and, and and spread the right myths to make way for different you know m- messiahs to come yeah. 300 years later <laughs> well some people believe the le- uh, in the, the reptiloids or whatever in what one of the, you know one of the super cons- super duper wacky conspiracy theories is that Oh. There's a race of lizard yeah. creatures yeah. that are behind it all. I think they're called like the reptiloids. Oh. And so they believe that like Obama is actually a reptiloid. Mm. It's kind of like a they, uh, they Live scenario. You, you know that movie They Live, John Carpenter? Yeah, right. Do you think we were just at a conference with a bunch of them? Yeah, with some re- like reptiloids. <laughs> or like the visitors you remember the visitors yeah yeah that show yeah it's the because they were like reptile people like yeah the visitors yeah were kind of and they like eat they could like dislocate their jaws and they'd eat like a guinea pig <laughs> a live guinea pig the visitors yeah they would they had like they looked like humans but then they would peel their rubber skin off <laughs> and reveal that they were actually <laughs> reptiloids. Wow. 
surely there aren't any people that really, <laughs> I, I say not, there are, surely not very many people <laughs> believe that we're controlled by reptiloids. Yeah, I don't know. What would you count as many? Oh, like, you know, imagine if it were, had the status of the same sort of follower status as one of the major religions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That would be kind of disturbing. Because <laughs> it would be like, in those parts of the world, they're on a reptile hunt, and they're like trying to tear the, the masks off of people. <laughs> you, know, you wouldn't want that to be a major religion. <laughs> that we're like that. Another, another uh, face-ripping accident uh, in the downtown area. <laughs> we still haven't found the reptiloids. <laughs> How many faces are we going to rip off? We must find the reptiloids, it doesn't matter. But the rumor's going to be out there now that I'm, that I'm like a big transhumanist. <laughs> awesome. Well, you do have the transhumanist hot tub. The, tra- the transhumanist hunt. We're like so finite. It's really kind of a bummer. I've come around to infinity. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. What do you mean? Like, you, you like infinity now? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I like infinity. I, I think that it's probably better to think of infinity as the default setting. Well, In, infinitude is the that's yeah, the thing uh, yeah. that's like Spinoza but we are finite we are like very finite stuck stuck you know just having finitely many experiences finitely many thoughts so we have to Breakthrough to, um, oh, I mean, only tra- only transhumanism. <laughs> what if we had a different language? If we had a different language? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the problem with the English department is English. <laughs> is English? Yeah. <laughs> Meaning <laughs> they shouldn't be. Maybe that's what's holding them back. Yeah. They, let's fill up the space. Like, you know, pretty soon... Skipper, come on, man. Come on. Pretty soon it'll become impossible not to plagiarize. Because... All, all words will have been written. <laughs> yeah. Most, most papers will have already been written. So, like, when you write a paper, you're, like... It's going to be very close. And then... Well... Do you see a darkness? I see a slight darkness. Does it come blacking in your mind? <laughs> it comes black. <laughs> Rising up. Space, time, mind,